0: Okay, if, if we did that correctly, should now be live. People should now be able to hear us. Uh, so, hello and welcome to the RPG Academy podcast. I am Michael, and we are here tonight with the triumphant return of detention. Now, I'm hopeful that there might be some new people watching tonight or maybe watching in the future that has not watched a detention before because we haven't done these in a while. Uh, so basically a detention is sort of a loose format talk show type of thing where we talk about a bunch of silly stuff. We do some stupid improv games badly, not bad oh, improv I'm, games. I'm
1: terrified. I, improv it's games
0: be badly, be uh, but it's a lot of fun. And like all of our shows, we hope that at least somewhere in there, there's a nugget of something that people can take back to their games and their tables to make make their games run a little bit better. Uh, so before we get too far into it, uh, let's introduce our guest faculty detention masters tonight. Uh, so with me, both are IRL faculty. Uh, Ryan, say hello, everyone. Tell me who you are. Hey,
2: everybody. This is Ryan. A um, oh I don't know how many, I've lost count of how many years, uh, faculty for RPG Academy. And uh, as I tweeted earlier today, well, I deserved trip to detention since I have been missing a lot of, uh, we'll call them classes yeah, as you, of late.
0: Yeah, you've been tardy and unexcused absences, my friend. I need to see some doctor's notes.
2: Uh, how about a nurse's note from my wife, which is the reason why I haven't been here around.
0: Yeah, I think that's a conflict of interest. Moving on. All <laughs> right. And then joining us for, our again, I think, I think Ryan's been on attention before, but maybe I'm wrong. I know this is Tom's first attention. Tom, welcome to the show. Tell everybody who you are.
1: This is a it's it's well deserved. It's well deserved. I deserve to be here in detention, which I guess is not a very good thing. All right. So um yeah, no, so I'm Tom. I am the dungeon master for the Waterdeep Dragon Heist game that is hosted on the RPG Academy's Twitch channel. Um, and you can follow me at Bezkar Tom on Twitter. I tweet a lot about comics and then miscellaneous RPG stuff. So yep. there
0: you go. Miscellaneous. Miscellaneous. So so just a quick shout out to New York Tater, who is with us. I know uh, he has mentioned Attention was one of his favorite shows, so I'm sure he's excited for it to be back. And I'm hoping we'll have a couple other uh, regulars joining us shortly as well. Uh, But as always, I want to start very quickly just by letting people know that we still have our Twitch follower drive going. And when we get to 500 Twitch followers, which we've been making some progress recently between the Batman Gotham City Chronicles games I'm doing on Tuesdays and, and Tom's dragon, uh, dragon Heist, we've been
1: going up the, the ranks a little bit. so we'll hope- We are crushing it. Guys, don't forget, smash that like, subscribe. You see that heart? <laughs> Do it.
0: So we get wow, up. that was... Yeah, <laughs> that was a sellout right there. Yes, 500 I'm 500 I'm followers. terrible at the self promotion stuff. Uh, but when we get to 500 followers, we're going to give a uh, do a giveaway. This is the D and D rules Cyclopedia. This is the new print on demand version through Draft Your RPG. Uh, this is a book that I had when I was a youngster that I loved. This this was D and D for me for a very long time. Um, so excited uh, to see that if we can get to 500, give this to someone. Hopefully it goes to someone who either A, like me, had it as a, as a youngster, and it'll be nostalgia to have back, or maybe someone who doesn't know what it is and will be able to, to love it as I did and go through it and be amazed and, and, and filled with wonderment, um, all these wonderful things that this book holds.
1: That's a very big book. It is a big book. Can uh, Michael? Can we currently afford to ship that book?
0: <laughs> we can, thanks to drop through. Again, we drop through RPG does not sponsor us in any way, but they uh, they make printing on demand very affordable, and uh, we'll, it, we'll, it probably costs we'll send, us like 30, 40 bucks total.
1: We'll send it on a pallet.
0: Yeah, exactly. Not a pound of them, just a single, a single one. pallet. Um, yeah, but uh, we're going to get back to detention. It's been a long time since I've done this as well. But I remember that we always start with a what you drinking. So, Ryan, what you drinking?
2: Um, I'm having the, probably the one and only adult beverage tonight, or and Shandy, because that's what is in my beer fridge. Um, I don't get a whole opportunity to drink, so I'm going to enjoy it. And then when this runs out, I have backup water. Okay. You know, still trying to be healthy. <laughs> At exactly. At point, got to balance.
0: And Tom, what you drinking?
1: I am drinking my chamomile tea. <laughs> it's it's soothing. Yeah. I'm hoping it'll calm my nerves before these improv games I've been <laughs> thinking about. Non-stop. You're going to need
0: about three more okay. cups. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So in, in honor tea. of the return of detention, I have broken out l81 which again longtime listeners know this is my drink of choice when it comes to gaming it's basically a sweet ginger ale and it's only made in one small manufacturing plant in kentucky but it's really good if you get a chance maybe at a catacomb because i usually bring a few with me grab one because they're really good
1: burners is better
0: no it's not um uh, i'm gonna disagree with you on that
2: one tom yeah but i, I might be slightly biased um the uh, factory where they make that is uh, cl- very close to a scout ranch, which – or a scout, uh, I should say, camp. Not a ranch necessarily, but a camp. Um, and as a longtime scouter, they donate a lot of drinks over the summer to the scouts there um, as a treat. So kind of biased. But, yeah, still a, s- disagree with you, Tom. Sorry.
0: Uh, so New York New York Tater just mentioned that water is simply pre-beer. So, so it's like – yeah,
2: Yeah.
1: It's very true. I'm actually, I'm not drinking this month, So Ryan. Seeing you with that orange shandy is, you know, it sounds very tasty. You
2: were here. I got another one for you. That's all right. All right, Michael. All
0: right. Oh, short man Ian has joined us as well. Welcome, sir. Happy to have you with us. Um, So our first official part or segment of the show is extracurricular and this is where we just talk about things we've been up to recently it can be gaming related often it is, but is doesn't have to be it can also be movies books video games family just anything that we've been working on that we feel like talking about very briefly i will start by saying if either of us or any of us are going to talk about endgame or games of game of thrones it must be spoiler free even though game games been out for a couple days i don't want any spoilers for any of that uh, because i did not see either spoiled and i don't want to change anyone else's that same experience. We'll skip it. Well, I was going to talk about it a little bit. So I'll start with okay, you, you, Ryan. Talk. <laughs> Extracurricular, buddy. What have been up to? What do you want to talk about?
2: I, yes, I saw Endgame. Um, it is a perfect movie. And I will leave it at that for everyone else because, uh, oh, don't do that. Um, it is not a perfect uh, movie, that's, that's, but it is a very good of, movie
0: full of perfect moments. But it is not perfect. It, is, it has uh, flaws.
2: Uh, it's uh, 10 years building up to that. I think, it's, um, I think it's perfect both in what it does for the fans and for the non-fans. Um, but uh, that's that, we'll leave it at that so I don't go into it because I could talk for hours about it. All
0: right, so anything else um, you want to talk about besides end
2: game? Oh, gosh. Um, no, most of the reason why I haven't been around is, one, because my schedule is crazy because I do a lot of uh, volunteering for my kids' schools as a coach and as a scout leader. Um, so no real fun extra activities like personally, but uh, spending a lot of time with the kids and seeing them grow um, and uh, leading a team and all that jazz. Um, we're getting ready to go camping a bunch. Um, so that's kind of been on the docket. So yeah, keeping really, really busy um, and not a whole lot of gaming time, which is why I'm really thrilled to be here tonight because I don't get to do enough of this anymore and it starts to it's starting to weigh heavy.
0: I know, life can just really bring you down, man. Yes.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Oh, so being so busy, uh, you know, got to have time for fun. This is
0: it. All right. So Tom, extracurricular, baby, what you do you want to talk about?
1: So much stuff has been happening. So first off, I've been traveling a ton. As you guys can see, I am in another hotel room. The last time I was streaming, I was in an even I'm, I'm in a lot of hotel rooms. This time I'm in Philadelphia. So. I actually want to talk about traveling a lot because what's really cool is that I when I travel, I like to go visit little game stores, kind of where I'm where I'm gonna be. And so probably about a year and a half ago, I came to the Philly area for the first time and I met some folks at a game store. And one thing led to another. And now whenever I come up here, we actually get together at their they have like a farm with horses and everything, and we go out there and we play. D&D. So we've actually been running a Curse of Strahd campaign and so whenever I come up here which is probably about four or five times a year we just all get together at their house and get to play. So we actually did that last night and it was a blast. So I just like having these like I feel like I've got all these little different gaming groups all around the country. It's very it's super it's super cool. I
0: I know that you're not the type of person this makes no sense but I thought you were going to say one thing with another and now I have a kid. Yeah. (laughs) so you're like those traveling salesmen in the 50s that had a different family in
1: every town but yours is a different gaming gaming group group. yeah
2: that's right Um, suitcases full of gaming books yeah it really
1: it really is and then the other thing i'm super excited for this sunday for those in cincinnati it is the flying pig Mm. weekend this is it
2: are you running it? I know you, you run a yes, lot. Yes,
1: I'm going to be running my first marathon on Sunday. So my knees are jelly um, after months of abuse, but I'm ready for it. It's going to be fun. Nice.
0: Well, best of luck. I'm sure you'll do fine. But, you know, if you're like a personal best or something you're going for, I hope that works oh, well, out for it's you. It's my
1: first, so it may, will be my personal <laughs> Yeah, Exactly. Best. As long
0: That's as the... you don't pull a Malcolm in the middle and just trip over your the start line. <laughs>
1: No, And then, oh, and and last thing, because it wouldn't be, I wouldn't be an extracurricular without Tom talking about comic books. I got to talk about the new Conan, the Barbarian books that Marvel's been putting out. I've talked about them briefly on our little mini sods for Patreon members, and I have to, I absolutely love them. They're just, it's just, it harkens back to this really blood and guts Conan and it's just it, there's so much fun because they've been updated too so the writing is just really good the the art is well done and there's a lot of fun it's fun to just it's a high adventure it, it's really cool i like conan the barbarian now
0: excellent weird
1: okay. i never did before <laughs> but anyway
0: no it's, it's good stuff um as for me i watched In game i absolutely loved it um, again I don't think it's a perfect movie because I don't know that those exist but it's a it's a good movie full of perfect moments there's individual moments that are just perfect it does does such a good job of of wrapping up or paying off things that even in the very first of all the movies uh it, so it's it's wonderful it did a lot of what I thought it would do but it still surprised me and how it did it and when I realized what was going to happen I got super super excited and um yeah it's fantastic so if you have not watched it go see it try to go without being spoiled because i I do think it would i mean it's still a great movie i'm sure if i see it again i know what happens it'll be enjoyable but i think that first time through not knowing much about what would happen and truly being surprised was just wonderful so i'm so excited about that
2: oh i was was stupid excited for it and it was good that i was sitting next to one of my children that didn't remember everything and then somebody that wasn't quite a biggest fan as me so as i was shouting out different things and getting excited in my seat the people that didn't know what was going on inadvertently followed along a lot better because of me (laughs) and my big mouth uh in the theater um but yeah it uh we went and saw it uh we had actually was there with two different separate groups of friends that inadvertently ended up running out uh 40 seats out of like a 55 seat theater Uh, we had a huge group of friends that went um, and uh, a lot of people to talk about it with afterwards from all aspects of super fans like me to, um, you know, a few wives that are there to have fun and see a good movie. Um, but it was really cool to to have that experience with so many people that uh, like the movie. And we've been doing this for a while. We've never had that big a group of people. Um, but, uh, yeah, definitely made it, it special. And it was it. It is this generation's absolute you have to see it um movie i mean it's there's nothing else to say
0: it's it, and again i like those movies I, so i'm i'm in the bag for this there's no way i wouldn't have loved it and even then it was it was really good uh the other thing i've been really doing a lot of is as i mentioned at the top of the show we've been playing the batman gotham city chronicles game uh we've been trying to do that every tuesday this yesterday we had to cancel i had some live stuff happening Next Tuesday is our monthly game at Woodburn Games, but hopefully we'll be back on the Batman train after that I'm currently trying to figure out how I want to organize everything because it's there's a lot of pieces and parts and I'm kind of uh, Particular some people might use other words, but I'm pretty particular about how my games are set up. So they are organized well and I'm trying to figure out the best method of organizing and I think I've figured it out uh though it's probably going to cost me almost as much as the game itself to get all my supplies to keep it organized uh but yeah so i'm I'm kind of in the middle of doing that right now uh so you can't see it but the area in front of me is a disaster zone
1: you just have to do it
2: yeah people listening to this you don't understand particular is probably the nicest way michael could put it yeah um yeah he oh man uh So just to give you an idea, Michael loves to sleeve all his cards for his games. And as you can see behind him, he's got tons of games. Um, At one point, he didn't care about the colors. Now he's going, he's re-sleeving a second time around. um, I'm transitioning from
0: color-coded to clear so that I can see the back of the cards because some of the games, it has now become easier to identify cards by having the backs visible. So yeah, so I'm I'm in the process of unsleeving and re-sleeving from color-coordinated to just clear.
2: And if you play a game with any amount of cards, it takes probably, what, an hour or two to do that with all the cards before you even touch the rules. Oh, yeah. And that's where the, yeah.
0: Yeah. uh, Last year, I brought sleeves with me to Gen Con because I knew I was buying some games. And I opened them and sleeved them at Gen Con so that we could play them because I won't play them until they're sleeved. But enough about my problems. Um, Batman is a really cool game. And again, Monolith does not support the show in any way. They probably have no idea who the heck I am. But I love the game. I'm really enjoying it. There's a new Kickstarter coming out later this summer for Season 2, which is going to have new stuff. But you can also go back and get the first season stuff. Do it. It's an amazing game. And it's so much fun. Uh, so absolutely jump on the train if you haven't already. And if you're not sure if you'd like the game, check out our other videos or some other people that are starting to do them now that it's getting, getting more out there. Uh, but it's a really cool game. And I really like it. Okay. So now, now it's time to play some games. We are going to play our first improv game, and this game is called Ten Things. And this is traditionally a warm-up exercise for improv groups. And the idea here is that we are going to prompt one another to create a list of ten things. Now, the idea here is to be quick. So it doesn't matter if the things actually make a whole lot of sense. It's more important that you get to ten quickly. Um, Okay.
1: I already hate this.
2: Yeah, okay. I, I've done this maybe twice before, and you get to like three, and in, in, oh man, it's yeah. going to be, people, you should be laughing now, because this is going to be bad.
0: All right, so I'm going to, normally I'll let the guests choose if they want to go first. I'm going to just executive privilege and go first, because what I like to do is I always like to try to tie my 10 things to something we've already talked about in extracurricular or something else just to kind of you know make, make a nice little bow on it, and I have a great one for for Ryan. So Ryan, I'm going to give you your prompt, which means okay. you need to give yours to Tom and then Tom um, will get back to me. Uh, so New York Tater mentioned the song. The song is later. The song is where my finger's been. This is the, I don't remember if there's a song, I don't think there's a song for 10 things. No, so So you mentioned that you were a scout master. You do a lot of volunteering mm-hmm. with scouts. So, so Ryan, give me 10 made up D&D scout badges that you could earn if you were a scout in a D&D world.
2: Oh, th- okay. You uh, ready? Oh, go, yeah. Okay. Uh, open fire cooking. One. How to survive in the wilderness. Two. How to gut a dire wolf. Three. Um, archery. Four. Um, swordsmanship.
0: Five. Uh,
2: how to take off your armor without falling over. Six. Um, climbing a castle wall. Seven. Um geez, uh Adventuring Through a Haunted Forest. Eight. Um let's see here. Um <laughs> uh, oh gosh. How how to survive for beginners?
0: Nine. One more. And, um
2: brewing your own ale.
1: There, there As we go. There's a Oh, 10 things. Oh, that was that hurt. I'm so, oh, man, I'm not even doing it. There's so
2: many ways to go. Um the, honestly, that was a great one, Michael. Thank you. That was that was uh that was pretty funny actually. Um All yeah, right. there's so many so many good things I could have said.
0: So now we get to wrap it around. You get to ask Tom for 10 things. Oh man. So yeah, and again to chat Feel free to throw out your own. We'll, we'll read them here in a minute. There's a couple, couple of the merit badges already going. Keep them going. Um, and Santa. then also, at the end of the show, we usually do a Q&A. So if you have any questions uh, now or things that come up in the show that you want to ask about, we will do a Q&A at the end. All right. So without the way, Ryan, ask Tom.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Um, if you okay. need to think about it, <laughs> if you need to think about it, I can give Michael his...
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I just want to make sure um, you pick a good one. Okay. okay. <laughs>
2: uh, so Tom, you mentioned you've been traveling a lot.
1: Yeah. Which is a lot of different
2: places a lot of different cities. I need you to give me ten play ten city names in a D and D setting that you would like to visit. Just crazy town names, uh, whatever you think is uh, Okay. All right.
1: Okay, you ready? Yep. Yep. Starfield City. Mithril Town Two. Razorback Village. Three. The Village. Four. Oh. Four. The movie. Forest of Apothecaries. Five. Five. Druids Hollow. Six. six. <laughs> Water Shallow. Seven. Seven. <laughs> Never Summer. Eight. eight. <laughs> Baldur's Door Nine S- Space Town Ten, ten. Yeah. That, ten? Ten that was ten things Wow Okay it's,
2: it's, It wasn't so bad
1: yeah. Oh man Yeah no you know what Because Alright They don't need to be good
2: <laughs> Exactly No Exactly I don't know
1: I'm like ah, Yeah they don't need to be you good want
2: them, You still want them to be You still want them to be great because you you're like oh, i i can do this i'm a great okay. you know love D but all no right. they don't it's funnier when they're not perfect
1: <laughs> all right so michael yes you're talking about batman
0: oh i love batman
1: okay so batman is known for his absolutely bonkers crazy cast of villains mm-hmm. so you're in the comic book writer's room and i want you to come up for me Ten new Batman villain names.
0: Okay. Alright. Ready? Yes. Oh. <laughs> face. One. Um Knife Juggler. Two. Um The Mad Catter. Three. Uh Poison Oak. Four. Uh Boone. Five. Um duh, duh, duh. Puppet Man. Six. The Star Spangled Weiner. Seven. Um Drake Mallard. Eight. People, <laughs> some people can't know who that is. Uh Scrooge Face. Nine. And Batmanuel the third.
1: Oh, that's yeah. a good one. Wow. Way to go. Yay. Way to go. I want to give you, you get extra credit too for the, what was the, what was the Star Spangled one? Star Spangled Whiner. And that's like, that is a Batman, <laughs> that's like a Batman villain name. Like that—that that is actually, that, that has to be one. <laughs> okay. I was thinking right.
0: more like a Robin villain, but yeah. yeah. I, mean, I think okay. Poison Oak was my favorite. <laughs> 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 All right. So with that out of the way, we're going to move into what is the meat and potatoes of the show. This is generally what's the largest and longest section, but it doesn't always have to be that way. And we call it used books. And the idea here is that we're going to take a look back at a campaign or an adventure that one of us has played in. Maybe we were the ones who ran the game and see if we can... You know pull out some lessons learned the idea is like you get a used book someone else had it before you there's there's margin notes in the margins that you can learn from um, And that's what we're hoping to do here. So Tom you have come to the table tonight with a used book scenario lay it on us What are we talking about?
1: Okay, so first I want to preface this so I uh, most of you guys already know I've actually only been playing RPGs since the the since fifth edition first came out all right, so I haven't had a whole lot of campaigns, but I'm proud to say they've all they've all finished and they've all been, we've kind of, once we finished our first few D&D campaigns, we're like, we should try something different. So the very first different system and game we tried was Open Legend RPG. I'm not sure if any of you guys are familiar with We did that. a trial of it. We did a trial of it. Yes. And I absolutely love that system. For those who don't know, it's called Open Legend because the whole idea of the system is it's open source, like open source code. So anybody can take it, change it, make it how they want it. And then also from the actual storytelling standpoint, it's also open because they want you to be able to tell any story that you want. And the legend part comes in because they never want you to feel like you're, it's made for a very specific type of game. They never want you to feel like you are a very simple character. You're playing an RPG to be a legend. So they, it really emphasizes trying to be a legendary character. So with that all in mind, I brought this to the table and I said, all right, guys, we're going to play this. It's a system neutral, not system neutral, um, setting neutral. What is the, I don't know what the correct term is. There's no setting to it. You come up with your own setting and you're just, it's a generic role-playing system. So I said, what do you guys want to do? And for those who watch our Waterdeep game in this, in my group, are in my regular group are troy and jake um you know a bunch of some they like to make things very difficult for me so they're like (laughs) let's go ahead they're They're players they're players but they know i like it they push me they push me so they're like let's do a time travel game oh i'm in and we want to do it (laughs) they're like look tom your stuff has been great but we want to do a sandbox game. All right. We want control. With time
2: travel. Okay. And I was like,
1: yeah. no, why do you have to do this to me? And this so, is Michael's field, not mine. Yeah. So, anyway, so I'm like, all right, let's do some time travels. Done. Um, so, we went ahead and I was like, okay, we need to do a session zero. This is right when you, you all Wait. had.
2: Yep. Yep. Ah, oh. oh, man. See that? On the ball with it, though.
1: I'm happy that that actually got that. I didn't even, I, I completely forgot about that. So anyway, oh, this was correct. right about the time that you, you all had, this was before I was with you all um, part of the faculty. You all just posted a session. Oh. Uh, you posted an episode. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was, I just listened. I was like, all right, we're going to do this thing. So we all sat down and I wanted to ask, ask them some questions because I didn't want to just go into this blind as far as sandbox because I had no idea what to expect from them. So I wanted to basically find out what their character motivations were, um, who they wanted to be the initial big bad, and then what time periods they were interested in. And then from there we created characters and they came up with Troy played. um, Well, I'll save him for last. Jake played Nikolai Tesla. Jake's wife, Lizzie played Jackie Kennedy my brother Caleb played Theodore Roosevelt, and then Troy played Tom Cruise, who was a wizard. <laughs> his magic powers came from his Scientology, all right? It turns out it's, actually, it's all real, and he got powers from it. So, so that's our character. So it was going to be a madcap game. But honestly, this all turned out to be, we still talk about this this campaign in our game group. It was one of the best experiences we've ever had. And now in our home game, we pretty much just do sandbox stuff. And it's because I, I found it really enjoyable to hand that narrative control over to my players. I basically presented them with a few different time periods that they could potentially jump into and... They jumped into one, and then from there, at the end of each of our sessions, I just had them recap the session for me. I was like, what did you guys do in this session? Because when they were able to, they reiterated what they did, I was able to find out what they actually enjoyed. And then I took that, I thought oh, this is, Jake was really into the library of Alexandria and all these cults. So let's add some cults into the game. And so it kind of, it went way off the rails, obviously, of what I had intended, because that that wasn't the point of the game. It wasn't to do what I intended, because I wanted to experience the story with them, and it worked out. It was it worked out pretty perfectly, in the sense that it didn't go way far off where I lost complete control and I felt uncomfortable during the games. And I didn't know what to do, because we we did a. Lot, it was just communication, players and myself, and it was a. Uh, absolute blast so i mean i just so i really wanted to just kind of talk about what your guys's thoughts were about how comfortable you are handing that narrative control over to players and if you've ever done sandbox games like this or in in general i don't know thoughts
0: uh so i'll start with you ryan
2: um so the game that um i run for my home players Um, which is off and on. We we all have busy lives and mostly as kids, we play probably once every month or two. Um, But the game I run is as open as I can make it. I give my players control um, on where they want to go in the world. We use uh, Faerun, the setting for Dungeons & Dragons. We play 5th edition. Um, We started in 4th, so I'm using that that huge 4th edition map. And I presented them with uh, all kinds of options and places they need to go. I let them pick um and at the end of every session i'm like okay where are you headed so i can kind of plan and see what things i can build along the way but um we've been playing for a number of years so i feel like my my players um are fairly seasoned and i think a sandbox game is a lot easier with players like that because they do tend to help you um, build the world a lot easier give you things to build on um whereas a new player might be uncomfortable generating a new idea or saying what they want to do with their character um, for you to work with. Uh, so it does help to have that. But um, I love the fact that um, one session I might be planning something on a lake. The next session I might be something in a forest. Uh, but ultimately where they go and what they do is up to them in what order. Um, I've just kind of, I gave them a list of things that they need to collect and um, and with, you know, kind of the limits of the world as um, these things are going to be happening around you. It's up to you where you want to go in the sandbox and what you want to get done first. Um, so I'm comfortable doing that um, with but I'm also a prepper. I write a bunch, um, kind of come up with different ideas on where things need to go, uh, what pops up in, in this place. So that um, even if they don't go there, like you said, Tom, your game went off the rails. But when I do it, um, generally planning out, okay, if they go here, this is a likely scenario. This is what's going to happen. So I pick maybe the top two or three likely places they're going to be or visit along the way. So I have an idea of what I'm looking for. And then if they go another direction, I can kind of use those to – maybe that fits in this scenario. Maybe it doesn't, but I've got some – ideas already churning in my head as to where we could I could help them take this when they get there
1: yeah so one of the things that I made sure to do was I am not a prepper I I do I do so little prep in my games it is it's it's kind of terrible but and it, it worked out so well for this game I, I love to do improvisational stuff and work with my players and just tell that story and so what I did was similar to what you said Ryan I came up with several different time periods and i presented them to them like hey this is where time is getting all timey-wimey and crazy and so they kind of had some ideas of where they wanted to go i presented them the library of alexandria 1970s nevada and then what i called the dinosaur days of course they only went to the library of alexandria before they decided yeah 1970s nevada and dinosaur days does not sound interesting, Tom. We want to go to twenty twenty seven. I was like, why? They're like, we want to see what you can do. And yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, so yeah, leave it to the players to completely go sideways that quickly.
1: No, um, Michael. All right, you've been so you've been playing RPGs for uh, in a lot of different RPGs for a lot longer than I have. Probably and I was Tom and
2: I combined, to be honest.
1: Maybe. So I was wondering, like, have you? what's your experience then with um these sandbox style games and then handing over that narrative control to your players
0: um so i like to tell people at this point i've been running games about 32 years and the first 28 were really bad like the last few years i've gotten pretty good at it but the first first couple decades were rough um i was that very typical my way or the highway dm i made a i made a a story and the players just played along or they were forced to. Uh, I've, I've told multiple stories multiple times, I don't need to rehash it here, but I've gotten more and more comfortable, more and more experience of, of letting go and I enjoy the game so much more now as a DM that does that because I get to play too. And that's something I never really had before. I got to create and the part of me that thinks I'm a pretty good storyteller, who likes to create things and likes to write stories, I got a lot of enjoyment out of prepping the story and, and you know crafting these encounters that I thought would be cool, and these characters and these situations, and then we got to experience them as a group. But I really didn't get to play a whole lot. And for one, I don't like combat a whole lot, so me pl- b- being the other side in combat's not exciting for me. But now that I'm much more likely to say, I don't know where you want to go and what do you know what do you see when you get there what's interesting about this town that lets me be a player where I get to go oh okay now we're in a city that everyone can astrally project all the time that's just the thing that happens what am I going to do with that how am I going to make that interesting where am I going to go with that so I love letting players do that I think it makes the game more fun for me um, when I run games for new players I do very little of it and I do it in a very controlled way because I don't know what I'm getting in my, into. I don't know what the player's comfortable with. I don't know what they're thinking. So I don't wanna set myself up for failure, particularly in a con game where I'm trying really hard to make sure everyone has a great time and they wanna you know, start playing D&D at home. Uh, so I wanna make sure they have a lot of a lot of fun. So I need to be a little bit more stringent about how and when I dole out the ability to you know, narratively control so that I don't just get so crazy that the game isn't interesting or fun. But with my home groups, the people I've played with for a very long time, it's a lot easier to have that trust. I also think because I'm more invested in doing a session that shall not be named that like you did with your players, I have a pretty good idea of what they're interested in and and I can set some overall parameters that, that I think they're going to be okay with. So they're really not going to do anything that just destroys the game and breaks the game. At least I don't think they will. I don't think they want to, because they want to have a good time too. So I, I think the combination of a strong, Pre-game debrief, um, as well as experienced players that are there to have a good time and want to help you be creative, but not be in a way that's just being a jerk. Like, you know, what's that NPC's name? What's their what's their what's their birthday? What's yeah. their kid's name? Where they're just trying to like see how the, yeah. they can trip you up, but they're trying to create interesting situations for everyone to experience. To me, that that is taking the game from good to in-game great.
2: Yeah, though, so, I will say though on that point, Michael. Like when when they want to know something about an NPC or they want to know what their name is, the best way to to kind of cut that off that I found is to immediately go, "I don't know. You tell me. You yeah. put them here. You give it to me. Do you know them? Yeah. Are they are they new? Um, so that's something that you can kind of ask them and give them a little bit of control about. Is it does it matter to them? Are they going to make a, a common name? Or are they going to make this person important? Um, because it, besides that, it kind of puts them back in the spot, gives them a little bit of control. Um, and at the same time, it gives you something to work with. And it, you can gauge your player on how well they buy into what you're doing um, and how important this particular scene might be to them. If you have somebody that takes over the game um, or somebody that's loud and, and is the leader of the party um, and says, hey, we have to go to the city, but not everybody's on board with it, the other players might say fine i want i want to do this in this city instead and instead of going with whatever he says and then you can follow that and make sure that that person is enjoying the game quite possibly so it's another route to take um but yeah throw it back on them just as easily sometimes and say you tell me you're the one that wanted to be here um give me some ideas of what we're working with you tell me if this was your if this was x player's destination Let him kind of give you the ins and outs of the city. What's in his head that you can that you can play with?
0: So one of the things I want to mention, Tom, I know you're you're biting the bit there to 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 go, uh, but I just want to cover kind of quickly. uh, One of the games that I really started to explore this heavily was our Dark Discovery game, which Brian got to be a part of. And I'm probably going to drop those on our main main feed pretty soon. They were a patron exclusive for a long time. The game fell apart. I know it's awful. Uh, but we got it was Rob- awful
2: because it was a really fun it game. It was
0: one of the best, if not the best campaign I ever I ran. I loved that so character. Much fun.
2: All of them were really
0: good. So I'm thinking about putting it out in the regular feed just to let everybody listen to it. But one of the things that I, I did some really experimental stuff here is I ran the game very much like a TV show. And I've, and I've said this before. I often run games kind of like an action TV show. That's like that's the, the theme and the, that I'm trying to go for, the template I'm using. But I did things that the players didn't know. And I would start a scene without them as players knowing what was happening. Just you're, you're here, go. We would play for like 30 minutes. And then I would say, okay, now it's seven days before that. And they, they were like, I guess we now have to get there. So even though it was a sandbox, I kind of made it a fun game. Where we're like, okay, how do we as a group now make it make sense that in one week we end up in that spot? Uh,
2: and it, oh my God. It was so, it was it so hard sometimes it worked a lot of the time, yes. but it was so hard. There were so many arguments yes. that were off the air about what we were doing. Um, but it was so fun to just have to work that out um, and find ways yeah. to, to start at the end and somehow
0: and basically find like our an, way through. Yeah, it's like a TV show, like the cold open, they were breaking into this like mansion and then we went, okay, seven days before that, you're in, you're just now showing up into that town and we had to get there. And again, it made the game so much more fun for me is like, how do we make that work? And again, it wasn't perfect, but it was a lot of fun getting there. Uh, Michael watched
2: us wriggle on a hook. I don't know how many times,
0: but there's Uh, one episode in particular that makes me laugh so hard where in real time, we probably spent three hours trying to come up with a plan and we would be like, "Okay, we got the plan," and immediately someone would ask a question, and we would start planning
1: over again. All, all over again. Oh no, that's the worst. Oh. You get you get stuck in a recursive loop. So planning. Over. It was so bad. So when you listen to that that
0: episode, episode it's only like 30 minutes long because I did the thing where like, okay, we have a plan. And then I would do the thing where just fast forward you just hear. Okay, so we have a plan. Somebody asks a question. We have a plan. Someone asks a question. That happens like five times. And I fast forwarded like two and a half hours worth of nothing until we got to the final plan. Uh, It's a great thing. So if anybody has never listened to Dark Discovery, probably over the summer i'm going to start dropping a few episodes a week and um it ends right. it doesn't go it doesn't end unsatisfyingly but the episodes themselves are so much fun
2: or you could become a patron now and get it ahead of time that's true it is still there's my plug talk.
0: i did it yay okay. all but right so tom go ahead
1: pretty, no i was gonna say that's pretty slick because what you did was you provided if you're gonna do a sandbox you have to have clear motivation for your players they, otherwise they're just going to be running around desperately, not knowing what to do, Gross. doing randomness. I mean, so yeah, that may be, that, that may be fun um, in certain groups, but I like that because you literally did, you gave them like, Hey, this is what happens. So they are then there. You basically programmed them <laughs> to go do what they actually need to do, which is pretty cool.
0: Yeah. It, uh, I again, I've, I thought it worked well. Hopefully other people, again, Ryan can attest, he was a player, that it was a lot of fun. Uh, again, sometimes it was difficult, but it, it still was a, a whole lot of fun. But it's super important that the players are on board, that they want to be part of a sand game, sandbox game. But for me personally, I would hate, hate a true sandbox game. Like oh, if really? I, if I showed up and the DM's like, what do you want to do? I don't know. What, I, what, what can we do? Oh. You know, And I'm talking about like truly sandbox where we could do anything we wanted, but without a session, you know what? Without understanding who the other players are, without like some background, like what's going on in the world? Is there a, a war starting up? Are we in a port city? Is there a trade? Like, I need some hooks to, to nibble at, and I'll decide which one I want to really chomp on, but I don't want it to just be like, you can do anything you want. I want it to be, this is a vibrant city here's some things that are happening, what do you wanna do? And maybe I want to join the Thieves Guild, or maybe I want to try to take over the Thieves Guild, but I want the DM to say, there's a Thieves Guild, you know, there's a rash of robberies happening here, and I'll figure out how I wanna interact with that as a player to make it fun for me, but truly a 100% open sandbox, I think, would be atrocious.
2: Yeah. No, I agree with you. If you walk into a, a con game, for instance, um, you know, and you just join a table because it's the system you want to play and the guy doesn't have anything laid out, you're going to spend half your time there figuring out what everybody's motivation is. There's got to be at least three to four points of interest for someone to grab hold of and, and go with. And, I mean, maybe they pull the rest of the group in a certain direction until somebody buys into it. But there's got to be something to, to to grab a hold of. To there's got to be a hook of some type. Um, I'm, I'm with you, Michael. If I, I those those types of truly sandbox games where the players start from the very first time you sit down to say I want to do this, it's so it's it's frustrating um, for the person that's having to go through that, and then the other people that are sitting at the table with you. Because they're going through the same thing, and without knowing what their character is or knowing what their character motivations are, it's so hard to get anything going to, to have fun with the game. You're, you're starting behind the eight ball.
0: Right. Um, so, so to give like an example, uh, let, let's say we're in a city, it's a port town, and one of the hooks that the DM sets up is that a bunch of ships have started to go missing, like, they, they go off, they're going through, you know, normal trade routes that are well-traveled, and these ships are just disappearing off the grid, you know, uh, Devil's Triangle situation. And and that's something that's happening. Now, as a DM, they may be thinking that the players are going to try to figure out what this mystery is. Maybe they'll get on a boat and go sailing and hope that whatever happens, happens to them, and interact with it. But maybe as a player, I'm like, you know what, if all these boats are missing... How is that affecting the economy? How is that affecting this trade? How is it affecting the morale of the city? And I may decide as a player to interact in a way they never thought of, but I still needed the fact that there were ships going missing provided to start with. Uh, the closest analogy, one of the things I used to love to do, I'm a terrible artist. I mean, I suck at drawing. But one of my favorite things to do was that when I was a kid, when I was in grade school, is they would give us these little prompts where we would just have like a, like a squiggle or a J-hook or a T-cross and it would say, use that and draw whatever you want. I loved those. The, the, the creative freedom that I had, but I had to I had to work in what they gave me, but I could make it into anything I wanted. And that's exactly what I like to do as a player and as a DM is here's a little bit of structure. You can do whatever you want to with it, but I still need I still need that squiggly line to start with. I don't want a blank page. I want something.
1: Yeah, and I, I want to go back to because I do like to give my home group players a lot of grief about how they're a bunch of um, rogues and scoundrels. But they really did was they took a lot of the hooks that I gave them and they definitely did a lot of stuff that I wasn't expecting, like going to completely different timelines that I was no prep for. But what they did, though, was they helped create those worlds too they didn't just like all right we're here they were like all right so i we, we hop here the first thing i want to do is go find this person because our source book that we used which is something that i got from i kenneth height has said is that there is no greater source book than wikipedia and so they basically my players opened up wikipedia and this was all on their own and they used they would just like go to the different timelines and find different interesting historical characters and they would say, all right, I want to go visit with this person. All right, let's go talk to Abraham Lincoln's father and just crazy weird stuff like that. And so that's where having those players who can create almost, they created more story than I did. And I have to share how the story ended with them traveling even further into the future and Troy decided that the big bad was actually going to be Tom Cruise. So it was going to be himself, but his future self. So it got into this, that one of those really weird dicey situations where they then went back to the 1980s when Tom Cruise was in his peak and they tried to take him out, but they couldn't because of top gun and some all, all sorts of crazy stuff like that. But yeah, having those players who can really just latch on to what you've given them and run with it it's a lot of fun
0: it is i absolutely encourage you to try it but but it you do have to know your table you have to know your players yes
1: this is so is so true absolutely
0: and you know and that's not to say that your players are bad if they don't do that but maybe they don't like it maybe they're not comfortable maybe they just don't understand that when they are trying to be funny they make it really hard for you to try to tell a, a you know coherent narrative but if you have the right players, you have a session that shall not be named, and you know, you've know you got some creative juices flowing, and you want to try it, mm-hmm. try it. Yeah. it. It has made the game so much more fun for me to play as the DM than before. So I highly encourage
1: it. Yeah, some players, like you say, want to be told the story, which as a storyteller, I like to have those type of people at my table. And then there's also people who are storytellers themselves, and they want to tell the story with you. So it's it's good to have a, a mix of both,
0: yep. and then the last thing for me is do go check out our trial of Open Legend. I I think it's a lot of fun. It has one of it's my all-time favorite moments. I don't want to spoil it, but uh, I absolutely it makes me so happy that we were able to do a thing in that game. It's like the highlight of my RPG career is that we had this crazy plan, and as a good DM, Brian who runs that game is the creator of the main created system. Is it worked? But it didn't work exactly the way we thought it would. You know, it, it kind of got. Like halfway there, and then complicated, uh, but I'm just so happy that that moment exists, and it's, I do think of it often. So it's uh, it's a good it's a good time. Hope you'll watch. And it, it has
1: exploding dice. It does the have exploding
0: dice. dice. All does dice he, explode.
1: If you like to roll dice, then this is your system.
0: Yes. All right. So with that, we're going to close our used book, and we're going to move into everyone's favorite part of the show. Where have my fingers been? So this oh, is gosh. another improv game that. I'm awful at, but the idea here is that we will give each other prompts. These prompts will involve at least two people who will be represented by our fingers and we will finger puppet talk to each other. Sometimes you bring in a third character if you want, it's up to you, but we're going to tell each other where our people fingers are at. And then that person has to create a scene that kind of makes sense within that framework. So just like we said before, we're giving each other a little bit of framework, but then you can go wherever you want to with it. So it's something we should all enjoy. Tom, you've already mentioned that you are terrified of this game. Yes. So I will ask you, do you want to go first, second, yes. or
1: third in this nope. game? Nope. Just, I'm going to go first. I'm going to get done. Er- okay. Ripped off the band-aid.
0: Okay. All right. So um, so I'll prompt you this time since I prompt around the first time. So, Tom. Okay. Uh,
2: I'm I'm seriously worried about this. Just FYI,
0: this is uh, going to be horrible. No, no this so is focused. This is good. This is good. All right. Um, so I, well, I, I have one, but I, yeah, I'm, it'll get into spoiler territory. I don't want to. Okay. Because um, I was only like you, you just got out of in game, but that no, 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 that that'd be bad. Mm-mm. Don't want that. Don't want that. Um, all right. So your fingers. So again, really see, now I'm, I'm this is awful. We'll edit, this, we'll edit yeah. this part out. Yeah, it, it'll it'll be <laughs> except put, that it's live. <laughs> it, well on, on the audio only version it'll be seamless <laughs> like I have this great topic rough thought man, I've got a couple but I keep finding faults with them. Um because I've done a couple in the past with the same so I'm trying to think of something a little bit new a little bit different. Um Your fingers are at a renaissance fair.
1: I do love renaissance fairs. I know because you but that's you it. Cosplay. That's the- that's the prompt. All right. So, what do I do now? So, we
0: have to sing a song. So, you, okay. st- you hold your fingers. So you say, Where have my fingers been? Fingers I said, been. Where have my, fingers, Where have my fingers, been? fingers been? And then you do your scene.
1: And then I just do a scene. Okay. So, right, here we go. Where have my fingers been? I say, Where have my fingers been?
0: A Renaissance fair.
1: I. there. Uh, it is, it is I, Pirate Peach. Welcome to Pirate Week here at the Renaissance Fair. Oh, Pirate Pete. I'm just kind of, just here for my, just here to get a turkey leg. There's, you can. No, this is Pirate Pete's turkey legs. These are not just any turkey legs. No, really, here, here's my $5. $5, we only take the blues at this here Pirate Peach <laughs> turkey legs. But, oh, you know what? Never mind. Go grab a funnel cake. Welcome to free You know, No, never mind. Yeah, all right. That, that's <laughs> my that's where my fingers have been. That's where your fingers have been.
0: Yay. Awesome. Very good finger work there, Tom. Okay. All right. So now you get to prompt Ryan.
1: Okay. Ryan, this is where your fingers have been. I wanted to stick with like a, a kind of a Dungeons and Dragons, something that you can kind of do in the game. And one of the things that people we we people love to pick locks. All right. So this is where your fingers have been. So you are outside, your fingers are outside of a locked room, all right, with whoever. But it's not Dungeons & Dragons, it's in an office, and you're trying to unlock the office door, all right? That's where your fingers have been. All
0: right, so you gotta sing your song, and then Tom will redo the prompt for you all right
2: oh god the guys this is i'm so sad for you where have my fingers been where have my fingers been
1: you're in an office trying to unlock the door D style
2: all right hang on one second let me uh, fishing for keys jingle 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 uh i think i got it this, here's the one are you sure that doesn't look like the right key uh yeah i i don't know there's 10 keys on here uh Nope, it no it's not the right one. Okay, we'll try that one. Uh, mm, you sure? Nah, no, not so much really. But here, I'll tell you what. Uh um okay, it's locked, we can't get in. I don't know which key it is. Well, why don't you try uh is there I don't know. There's no windows or anything. Um I'll tell you what. I have an axe. <laughs> <laughs> um it I mean I'm tired of the keys. Use your axe. Uh, okay, hang on. It's crash, crash, crash. You know that was the best key, and we're through the door.
0: And that's where your fingers have been. Fingers have been. That's
1: a very scary office. Yes,
0: yeah, yeah, that's um, that's a little hard. Well, core. you said D and D office, so <laughs> I, know, no. I, I,
1: That was perfect. That was that was that was amazing.
0: Nice. Oh man. So uh all right. So it's like chess because like for both of yours, like I had great ideas, but now that's my turn, probably not gonna go so well. All right, so uh Ryan, what's my prompt?
2: Oh man. Um Michael y- Your fingers Oh god this I got a good one now. Your fingers are at a support group for defeated batman villains
1: on theme i yes, like this i like
0: that all right <laughs> where have my fingers been i said where have my fingers been i'm telling you no one ever sees him at the same place and the same time as bruce wayne i think bruce Wayne's batman Okay, I think you got hit it too hard in the too hard in the head there, Star Spangled Whiner. Cause now you're starting to see crazy things. Cause we all know it can't be Bruce Wayne because he is soft and he's a international playboy philanthropist. He could be Batman. I mean he's handsome, he has the right height, the right build, he has all the money for all the toys. Hey. Is that a cupcake? And that's where my fingers have been. <laughs>
2: It's I lovely. think Michael's has worked out a secret to this. Keep
0: it as short as possible. Short as possible. <laughs> One Star scene Banner Whiner. That's right. Yay. So that was our Where Have My Fingers Been game. For all those who love it, go to hell. All right. So with that, we will now move into our next to last segment because our last segment is the goodbyes. And this is cryptozoology. And this is where we take a look at a monster doesn't have to be from D&D, but it often is, and we talk about ways that maybe we have used this creature in the past, or we've brainstormed some ways that we could use it in the future. Ryan, you have brought a monster for us to study today. What, sir, is that monster?
2: I have, and I'm super excited, which is why I have got closer to the camera, uh, partially because I want to be able to read the book. But my monster that I want to talk about today is the Bahir, um, which the name of the game is Dungeons & Dragons. Everybody forgets that dragons aren't always the most powerful thing in the world or they have competition. Let me put it that way. And this monster is the competition. It was specifically bred for the competition. Um, Dragons are great and everybody loves dragons, uh, but you're not always going to be at the top of the food chain. There's got to be something that challenges you. And these things were made by giants to do that. Um, They are huge so very big for, uh, medium sized adventures. They're neutral evil. So you're never really going to find one on your side, but they do so many different things. Uh, you're talking about a bluish green half snake, half alligator, half (laughs) elemental almost. Um, these things are fantastic. And, um, I haven't we're working up in my campaign to use one i can't wait to drop it um and there's so many different things you can do with this thing
0: all right so tom let's start with you have you ever used a hanner
1: no i've not all right i hate you all right so i hate using big creatures it's just not really the game i run but you know what i want to use this guy because it's like a little slytherin boy he's like got like it's like a snake but he's got little legs he can do all sorts of cool stuff and
2: and you make a good point it it does it it's it sli- can slide on its body um or it can use it's got like 10 or 12 legs that it routinely climbs walls and ceilings with so tracking this thing as an adventurer say as a ranger or a rogue that's that's tracking or even as a druid that's tracking w- would make it nearly impossible to track this thing so it's a challenge for your players from that point of view um and i mean the, the attacks it can use it's <laughs> it's undervalued, I think.
1: It it all right, this thing looks pretty cool and now all I want to do is I don't want to use this to let my players fight it. I'm thinking about bringing this thing into Waterdeep Dragon Heist game now and giving the them a be here to use as a like a group mount. It'll be like <laughs> a, like the minivan of like the fantasy world where they can all just they'll all be able to fit on the back of this thing.
2: Pretty much, yeah.
1: That's where I'm going with
2: it. Well, I mean, and it ties into giants too. Uh, These are things were made by giants. So if you've got giants in your campaign, you have a reason to put this thing in there. There's a there's a way for you to fit this in.
0: So I've used them at least one time that I can remember, but it was not interestingly. It was just a here's a big monster I want my characters to fight. Again, this was this was in the dark times long long ago when I was a terrible DM. Uh, But I do I do like that idea that they are bred to be quote unquote the natural predator or at least natural enemy of dragons. And that's I think that's where they could be the most interesting, um, you know, to, to to Ryan's point, is rather than it just being something our characters have to kill, how can they use that to their advantage? Like is there a dragon that is too powerful for them to deal with, but maybe there's a way for them to lure a Bahir into that area so that they fight, and then it's like the whole Godzilla King of the Monsters thing. We let them fight, and then we'll take out whichever one is the winner. Um, so I, I like that idea of how can you manipulate this creature so that it does good for you. Uh, the other thing I think is interesting is in the in the fifth edition book because I looked up the their entry. They have a, a seven intelligence; they're not very smart. But so, at le-
1: so dumb. <laughs>
0: but at least in three point five, they spoke com- they spoke common, so you could communicate when they were you know intelligent beings. Uh, so I don't know if the actual number dropped, but they're, they're presented in the fifth edition as though they can talk normally. Cause there's like a little, you know, blurb, like a flavor text of it talking to a party of adventurers, but it gives it. So I'm going to say that they're more intelligent than the book presents. And I, I think they would be. Yeah, And I love the idea of a hair like messing with people. Like it, it slithers on its body solely to make it look like it's just a large snake. Or maybe it only uses like four of its legs to walk, so it looks like to people tracking it, it's just like a four-legged creature. Um, so it's basically it's like disguising what it is to lure people to it. Like, oh, this is just a—it's a crocodile or it's a giant snake, and then you get in there like, holy crap, it's a behir, and you know because these things are big, like, a they do a ton of damage. They're tough.
2: Oh yeah, it's, I mean, it's got, it's claws, it's got bites, there's a, it's it's snake-like, so it's got a constrict attack.
0: It has a breath weapon, it can swallow. It's got a breath weapon,
2: yeah, so it's got something for distance that absolutely does an, a, a crazy damage to a mid-level player. Um, it can swallow, so that's really fun if you are, if you throw your this thing at your players and it swallows one of them, um, they take Which damage always on fun. the inside, it's always but fun. They, can, they can still hurt it from the inside. Um, and if it takes enough damage, it will regurgitate them back out. Uh, and if that's not a moment you want your players to experience, uh, why are you playing? I mean, that's just, it's going to create all kinds of, uh, funny moments at the table.
0: That's exactly, when when I read the entry for 5th edition, what I read was everybody wants a moment where their character is swallowed by something, but then gets out. So they just included rules for how that happened so that you don't have to figure it out. It, it says when you're swallowed, you take most, this much damage. If you do this much damage, you has to roll a save. If it fails, it, it spits you up because that's what they want to happen. So they just wrote the rules for it, which I think is awesome. I think wait,
1: good wait, wait. Did you say this was 5th edition? Yeah. Yeah. There's rules for being swallowed? Uh, yeah. Under the behair, yeah.
0: It's, uh, yeah. It, it swallows you. And then you, if you do, I think it's 15 points of damage. Then it has to make a saving throw or it regurgitates
2: you out. Uh yeah. The okay. uh, thirty points of damage on a single turn from a swallowed creature at the behir uh, exceed on a on a 14 con save, uh, or it regurgitates you um ten feet. So it up chucks you a distance um out of this thing's mouth. So uh and the funny thing is, um similar to uh what uh, Drax in Guardians of the Galaxy? If it dies while while you're inside its body, you can claw your way out of it. Yeah. Uh, its skin is just, just as imag- tough
0: on the inside. That's what I said.
2: Yeah, just imagine <laughs> one of your players, you know, chopping its way out of this thing, covered in all kinds of stomach acid and goop, being like, "Oh, I killed this thing!" And they're kind, of, and the rest of your your adventure party is looking at it like, w- "What are you talking what? about? It's no. already dead." Um, so yeah, I mean this thing, uh, it's so, it has so much variety and I, I called it an, an elemental earlier cause it specifically says lightning breath, mm-hmm. but depending on what setting you put this in, um, you could have a fire breath or you could have, if it's in a swampy area that's craggy, you could have a poison or an acid breath. Um, there's so many different things that you can flavor this as, um, it, you know, it's got a decent, uh, it's got a decent armor rating, so it can take some hits. It's got a huge movement speed of fifty feet, uh, mostly because of this the legs. It's got a immunity, which is uncommon, um, but most players aren't going to have that. Um, so that's that's even something to to mess with. Uh, there's there's like I said, it's, it's undervalued. There's so many different ways you can take this uh, monster. I cannot wait to throw it at my party.
0: Uh, so unconventional magic use item I know I've mentioned this before but uh, one of the games I played in one of the char- characters was swallowed by a T-Rex uh, which was invisible which was BS by the way but anyway the character had a <laughs> one of those magic bottles that like ever, ever water or whatever you uncork it it would just spray water forever and they uncorked it and then the DM said that that caused the creature to spit them up and they got out that Vomit way, them up, which I thought was a creative use of a magic item
1: yeah absolutely yeah, I'm just gonna use a dragon, Ryan. Sorry.
0: Yeah, man,
1: come on.
2: You, you, that's the thing, though. If you got a if you got a dragon in a in a campaign, there's a reason to have this thing because they don't like them.
1: This uh, is true, and this one is of the, the lot- one
2: thing that will go willingly go after a dragon.
1: Yeah, that uh, was one thing that I was thinking about is potentially a really cool hook that was just coming to my mind is there's good dragons have a dragon come to the players in this. Tr- Dragon is scared, and dragons don't get scared. It turns out the dragon needs to hire the players in order to protect his back as he tr- continues his travel because there's a whole host of Bahirs that are tailing him right now. This, this,
2: I mean, and that's that's actually fantastic. Uh, these things are so old; it's it's from the times when dragons ruled the world. They said uh, they were bred by giants. So there's so many different big monsters that are related to this thing that you could put in a campaign that would help shape it and give characters different points of places to go check out or to go find um, or to even dare I say tame one of these things um, that would be something all by itself I can't wait to see but Tom I love your idea of a, a dragon actually being fearful of one of these things being so old and so big uh, that you know it's just gonna add to its collection of, of dragon
0: kills i also i like the idea again this is straight up the godzilla story where there's a dragon and a behir that are just locked in the struggle and the pcs maybe there's like a small village that are just in the way you know the dragon's too tough the bahira's too tough pcs have no chance of killing either but how do they mitigate the damage by like you know keeping innocent townsfolk out of the way can they save the village or is it just a ride it off, and we move We move somewhere else because there's just nothing going to survive here. That could be an interesting and fun uh, encounter. How do they deal with the beings that are just too powerful for you to deal with, but you want to try to save innocent people in the crossfire?
2: Uh, again, not bad. I mean, the, these things are so big, you could center a campaign around uh, a Bahir faction and a dragon faction if you needed to. Um, you know, maybe these things are the creatures that are controlling uh portions of land, and you have uh different groups that are warring against each other if need be or fighting over territory. And like you said, Michael, they're just destroying everything. Um, maybe these things are smart enough. Maybe you're is smart enough to, to hire underlings to do its bidding, um, and to collect things for it. So, uh, like you said, I, I like this monster a lot. Um, It poses a lot of different challenges in a lot of different settings uh, and you can flavor it any way that you really need to um but it still is a challenge for any any adventuring party that you know mid-level or lower um even even with a high adventuring party i think that there are ways you could make this thing challenging for them
0: yeah i um one of the things that came to mind, too, is because is, is I love a, a turn of phrase, like I, it's not quite a pun, but just I like the idea that you need something from the behair, and what comes to mind is you have to capture lightning in a bottle where you literally have like a magic bottle and you have to get the Beher to use its breath weapon. The bottle will capture the breath weapon almost like the Medusa's Head in Clash of the Titans that you can then use later. So you've got to get close enough to it to tickle it, to get it to breathe, but not kill you. And in my version, the players would be low enough level that a, a blast would probably just murderate them. Uh, so the idea that they have to try to trick the Beherrin to blow its breath weapon in a particular place to capture it for later use. And you know, again, the whole capture lightning in a bottle. I love that.
2: Cool. See, we've already come up with two or three different ways in a campaign to use this thing. And there's plenty more that we're not talking about. Oh, yeah. Uh, so please do yourself a favor, look this guy up. If you've got a dragon in your campaign, if you've got a giant in your campaign, those are the two immediate tie-ins. Put this thing in there somewhere. I guarantee you, your players will have a blast, and you'll have a blast throwing it at them once you figure out how to use it.
0: Blast. All right, so we are going to wrap up. Cryptozoology right there. Thank you very much, Ryan, for bringing that monster up, because uh, I thought that was some great conversation. So... We're going to take a couple seconds here. If anybody in chat has any questions that you would like us to answer, um, it doesn't have to be D&D related. Uh, again, we're not going to give any spoilers for Game of Thrones or Endgame. Uh, but while we're waiting for chat to catch up, Tom, where can people find more of your work on the interwebs?
1: You guys can follow me at Bezcar Tom on Twitter, and then you can catch us every other Wednesday here on the RPG Academy's Twitch channel playing Waterdeep dragon heist i also talk a lot about comics on our discord channel and then yeah that's that's about it
0: and those episodes are archived on the youtube channel so if you want to catch up watch them uh, you can go back and watch them and uh, see how the story has evolved from where it started
1: yeah we're having a lot of fun with it It's, it's a blast
0: all right and then ryan where can people find more of your work on the interwebs
2: Um, mostly on voice work for the RPG Academy and uh, every now and again on a detention or something like this. Um, I've been around for a number of years and have lent my voice um, and hopefully we'll have more campaigns for me to do that with. Um, I am at Teleporta on Twitter. Um, I'm not super active on there anymore because I'm so busy, but I guarantee you that if you um, holler at me, I will uh, get back to you. Um, I talk about sports and scouts and D and all things nerdery um so if you've got a question for me or if you have like anything that i said uh let me know and i will follow up with you um i do respond uh just my life's busy enough as it is uh, i can't tell everybody about it every second but uh yeah let me know if you got a question i love uh teaching people and i love helping people and i love people giving more ideas for games so excellent
0: uh, and as for myself, of course, I'm Michael at the RPG Academy. Pretty much everywhere you go, search RPG Academy. If you find something, it's probably me. Um, so we did have a question uh, that came in. Tom's already answered it, but just to get it on the air. Yeah, let's talk uh, about it. So we have a, like, obviously Catacon again, we're not, not going to talk about it too much because I know people are tired of it, but Catacon is the convention we run. It's in November. Uh, this is the second year we're going to do an online version about halfway through the year as somewhat of a just a fun weekend to play games online, but also as a fundraiser for Catacon. So if you play in one of the games or just want to donate, you can. Tom has taken the reins this year. He is going to be running and organizing a Catacon line. So the question from Shortman Ian was, when is a Catacon going to be? And the answer, Tom, is,
1: end of June, beginning of July. TBD. So, as a right, say. it's going to be right after Origins. Okay, so that's kind of what we're shooting. There's a few little things that we're still trying to work out, but hopefully in the next week or two, we will have those dates nailed down, posted, and we'll start working with people to get some games scheduled for that.
0: And we are going to use tabletop events for that. Um, we've already been using it for Catacon line, or excuse me, Catacon is going pretty well. Right now we have 207 badges That are in the system, because everyone who backed the Kickstarter should be in. The few people bought them after the fact. But we're going to use it as a test run through line to the badges will be free. So you'll get a badge. The events will be free, but you can register for them and schedule and that kind of good stuff. So it's going to let us play around with the system, work out any kinks, make sure we know how it works. Um so we will have that up and running probably around the same time that we have the dates official. Uh it'll be a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, as many games as we can get organized. Mm -hmm. Uh, we've got a bunch of GMs that are going to be supporting us already. We're we're looking for more across the globe, so there will be some games that might be like EU-friendly time zones, and there'll be some others that are like Pacific time zone friendly. Uh, but the goal is to just get as many people together playing games as we can. So thank you, Tom, very much for organizing that because that's one less thing I have to worry about.
1: That's right.
0: <laughs> awesome. Well, if there's no more questions, uh, we'll give it a count to ten, and while we're waiting on that, I will tell you. Um I got nothing. Endgame's really good.
2: Endgame's good. You know what's funny, Michael, is you said no spoilers for Game of Thrones. Until the other night, I was one of those people that had never seen a single episode of Game of Thrones, mostly because I don't watch a whole lot of TV and we don't never have HBO. My wife of all people was listening to somebody talk about it at work. And she's like, we're going to start watching this. And I'm like, seriously, it's in its last season. I least know that. <laughs> and I know that everybody dies at some point. Um, and she's like, nope, you turn it on. So I finally, <laughs> episode one, season one, watched one episode.
0: It's, it's really good. Uh,
2: it was ridiculous. I, I see why people like it. Um, so I am now one. <laughs> I can't say that I'm on the train. Um, but I've now seen an episode, so I I can't. I got a script. One you know, of us. That, One of that us.
0: One of us. Excellent. All right. So short man Ian are jumping off. New York Tater's jumping off. Looks like we might have a couple other people who are watching but haven't joined us in chat. Totally cool. You're welcome to hang out anytime. Uh, please consider. Thank you for joining us. Coming back and. The goal is to start doing these regularly. I don't know if we're going to do them every other Wednesday on the alternate schedule from Dragon Heist, but they will certainly be more often than they have been. Uh, try to get at least one out, you know, like one a month, if not more. Uh, and this will be on the audio-only feed here in a few days. So with that, we're going to go ahead and everyone give an awkward wave out and say bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. See you everybody. Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast. We do this show out of love for the hobby, and then we'll get a small percentage sent back to us. You can do a single direct donation through PayPal using the paypal.me slash the RPG Academy. Or consider joining our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash Academy. And for a donation as low as $1 a month, you'll get access to lots of extra goodies, including bonus minisodes, invites to monthly one-shot games, one-sheet adventures, and more.